0: of Psalms, Psalm chapter 40, I mean not 40, 103 today, 40 last week, um, But um, but as you make your way there, let me just tell you that one of the things, one of the dangers that can accompany a long time of living under the blessings of God's grace is a certain forgetfulness. That is, that we can become accustomed to the goodness of our God and the blessings uh, of living as His child, and we can find ourselves forgetful. We can start to take for granted the situation in which we find ourselves and to treat the effects of His grace as if this is life's default setting. By the way, uh, those of you young people who are growing up uh, with Christian parents, They are a blessing to you. And the way your life is now as you grow up with them is not life's default setting. That is the result of God's grace to you. Putting you in their house. Uh, Parenthood doesn't have to look the way it looks at your house. And and God is being gracious to you and giving you those parents enjoy that blessing. Don't take it for granted. Don't assume that as you get out on your own, if you you can ditch the Christianity and get the same life. That's not how it works. Okay? Uh, But for those of us who um, have been walking with the Lord for a while, we're all prone to forget. Not just young people. In fact, the older you get, the easier it is to forget. All kinds of things, including the fact that life does not come hardwired out of the box looking like blessings of God. The default setting, the life that you have if you're a child of God is because of His grace. It is because of His mercy. It is because God has been incredibly good to us. And because of that, I want to draw our attention to celebrating God's goodness it than Psalm 103. So uh, if you would, if you're able uh, to stand and follow along uh, as I read Psalm 103 to us. This is a Psalm of David, and this is what the word of the Lord says to us Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who he pleases, who redeems your life from the pit, who has love and mercy, who satisfies you, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful, slow to anger and abiding in steadfast love. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O ye angels, you mighty ones who do His word. Bless the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works in all of His dominion. Bless the Lord, my soul. Let's pray. Father, we pray want to bless your name uh, this morning. We want to rejoice in you and how good you have been, how good you are, how good you will always be, and worship you well here this morning. So Father, help us by your Holy Spirit to worship our way through the text and to rejoice in our soul and with our mouth and with our mind and with our whole soul and spirit. Help us to rejoice in You, Father, and in Your goodness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you look at this passage closely, what you'll see is that David's praise begins with himself, and it gets wider as the circle goes out to eventually encompass all of... And so, but it just like ripples out like, like you know, throwing a rock in a pond, You it just gets wider and wider and wider... And he just begins rejoicing and rejoicing. And verse uh, one to one to five is David's praise for how good God has been to him. And I think we can all, if we know the Lord, you can rejoice in that too. That God has been incredibly good to me. Not just to everybody else. You know, like I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Right, I wanted to get that one. Um, I thought it might be heretical, but uh, nonetheless I... that God has been really, really good to me. and David is rejoicing in that in the first five verses of this psalm. Uh, and he says he begins by saying, "Bless the Lord, oh my uh bless his holy name." Now the the word Lord here, whenever you see all capital letters Lord in your Bible, that's a uh, a word that's translating a Hebrew name, the name of the name of God, the covenant name Yahweh. Okay, in Hebrew it's four letters Y H uh, U H. Okay, and the vowels you have to kind of supply as you read it. Uh, but it's, the, it's, his, it's his covenant name, the name of the God who is steadfast in his love for his people. And uh, he says, I want to praise your holy name, meaning not just his actual name, Yahweh. In the Hebrew sense, when you praise someone's name, you are praising the person to whom it is attached and all that is connected to them. When we talk about God's holiness, you know, that's kind of a churchy word, and we like, oh, it's holy. Uh, but we don't really know what that means. Well, what's holy mean? Well, it means distinct and different. And when you're talking about God, we're talking about how He is distinct from everything that He has made. That He is above and greater and more powerful and as distinct from creation as it is possible for Him to be distinct. Uh, he is more different from you and I than you and I are from an ant. Okay? About God's holiness, we're talking about the fact that He is vast in power, perfect in all of His attributes, and so far above us in terms of what kind of being He is, as to be something different entirely. He is transcendent above everything in creation. He is holy. That's what that that word holy means. Bless His holy name. Uh, Yahweh is the true God. He is the covenant maker, the covenant keeper who is steadfast in His covenant righteousness. Utterly distinct from us. But, look at verse 2. Knowing Him has lots of benefits. You see that? Forget not. In other words, remember don't forget, remember all His benefits because the God who is transcendent and glorious and limitless in power and glory is the God who loves you. Feel me? That's what David is saying. He's. This is the God who loves me. Don't forget all His benefits. All the blessings that God has bestowed on me. In verses 3-5, through five, he gives you a list of some of the benefits he's experienced in his relationship with God. He says, he forgives all of your iniquity. Uh, iniquity is just a word that means your sin. All the stuff that you shouldn't have done that you did, and all the stuff that you shouldn't, uh, that you should have done that you didn't. All of the things that make you unlike God in your character. All of your iniquity. How many sins does God forgive? What's the text say? All. Say it with me. How many sins does God forgive? All of your sins. Preach that to yourself, please. Okay? That you do not live under sin and shame and the weight and guilt of all of that mess from your past. How many sins does God forgive? All of your iniquity. Even the really heinous ones? Yes. Even that one that's coming to mind right now when I'm talking about uh, that one that you don't want to tell anybody. How about that one? Yes. that. Okay. How many sins does God forgive? All of them. He even heals those. He heals all of your diseases. All of your diseases. You know when you're healed of anything who healed you? God did. Now he may use means according to his will to do that. He might have used the doctor's hands, but God ultimately is the healer. And and guess what? When we pray for healing, especially when we pray for 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 believers to be healed, sometimes people people have this very short-sighted view and they say, "Well, I prayed for that person to be healed and and they died." What about that? And I go, well, you're not really thinking about it the same way that God is. Did they get healed? Yes! Yes! They got healed. They stand before God in a perfect, redeemed, sinless state. And one day their body will rise from the grave and when it rises it will not be the scarred up saggy, wrinkly mess that you put in there. Okay? It is sown in dishonor and raised in glory is, is what the scripture says. Right? I'm just giving you kind of my paraphrase of that. But He heals all. Of your diseases. Even the, even the ones that kill you. All of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. You know what redemption is? Redemption is that when you're a slave to something. When you're trapped in it. God goes and buys you. You were stuck in the pit of your own sin that led you to death before you knew the Lord. And he went into that slave market, found you on the oxen block and bought you for himself. And he redeemed you from sin and death. He has bought your life. How did he do it? With the blood of Jesus Christ. It was not with silver and gold with corruptible things like that but with the precious blood of Christ that you were redeemed from your former life. Amen. He drug you out of the pit and He gave you a new life. Uh, why did He do that? Because it was His goal to crown you with steadfast love and mercy. Instead of shame and guilt and defeat and death, that you would enjoy His mercy, His Grace. And I love that word steadfast that's there attached to his love. Okay. Uh, it the word steadfast love there actually translates you need two words, and it still don't doesn't quite get the Hebrew word Hesed. Okay? But it's the idea of a love that never gives up. Okay. I don't want to rick rope everybody right here in church, but it's that idea of you you have a love that doesn't its hold on you that He always loves you. And He is not going to relinquish His grip. He loves you. He pours out His mercy on you. The same mercy by which He redeems you, He saves you and keeps you for Himself forever. Um, He satisfies you with good things. God blesses you with good things now and will one day, believe it or not, satisfy every one of your deepest longings. Some of us live life with, with aches and pains in our soul, not in our body, but just in our heart. And And we have never found the thing in this world that corresponds to that desire. Maybe it was for a mate. Maybe it was for. Maybe it was in a friend. Maybe it was in some other relationship. Maybe it was just in something that you have never found fully satisfied in this life. This is what C.S. Lewis says about that. He says, if we find ourselves with desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. we were. We were made for God and for living with Him. And nothing in this world will satisfy us until we're with Him. But when we are with Him, we will be renewed like the eagle, And our deepest longings will be satisfied. God is not only good to me, He's also good to us. David expands a bit wider and he focuses uh, you know to include all of God's people not just himself God is not just good to me he's also good to us and he gives us the list of things we should praise God for uh, verse 6 says God gives justice to the oppressed now you may look around the world right now and go I don't know you know there's a lot of oppressed people in the world. But here's what I know to be true, that the wheels of God's justice may turn slowly, but they grind very finely. In other words, when that wheel begins to turn over the oppressor, it is not a good day for them. And you can look down through history and find on its ash heap all kinds of oppressive people. Some of y'all are old enough like, like me to remember Union. Some of y'all might. I don't think anybody here is old enough to remember when it started. um, In 1917. But you remember a long period when that empire stood atop a chunk of the world. Murdered millions of people. Put millions more in the gulag. And I remember doing nuclear missile drills. I don't know how this was going to help, but we, you know, like, incoming, you know, and we hide under your desk at school, right? Like, apparently that was made out of some radioactive resistant material. I don't know what it was made out of, because I've never seen anything like it since, but, uh, but you know, like, somehow this, uh, this desk with a hole all in three sides is going to protect me in the event of a blast, right? But I lived long enough, I lived long enough to see that empire fall without a shot fired in 1989. And I watched with with joy as Nikolai Trichescu got thrown off a balcony on the end of a rope in Romania. And a whole bunch of those other guys uh, were dealt with in similar fashion by their people who finally found the end of their oppression. Right. What happens? God brings justice to the oppressed. One day you'll see the, the, uh, the regime in Iran fall. You'll see the regime in China fall. You'll see all these things swept away by the coming of the king. God brings justice to all the oppressed. The Lord will tear your power from your hands if you're an oppressive person and God's justice is coming. And in verse 7, we're reminded that God revealed Himself to Moses in His Word. It says He made known His ways to Moses. They're talking about God's revelation on the mountain, where God spoke to Moses the Word of God. Uh, and, and also in verse 7, His acts to the people of Israel. Did they see God acting on, on, in their behalf? Yes. They crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They, they got delivered out of Egypt through the plagues. They were fed daily by the manna. They followed the cloud in the daytime and the pillar of fire at night. They walked to Jordan on dry ground. They walked into a land that was flowing with milk and honey full of houses they didn't have to build and fruit trees that they didn't have to plant and vineyards that they didn't grow. And they took the land from people who were wicked and like seven feet tall. And a bunch of these little Jewish guys went in and empowered by God, and received their inheritance. Did they see God's acts for them? Yes, they did. God has been good to His people. Verse 8 calls to mind uh, the book of Exodus again. um, This is the most often quoted line in the Old Testament about who God is. It's from the book of Exodus. I believe it's chapter 34 where God reveals Himself to Moses and He says, about Himself, that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That's who He is. He is merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love. By the way, that line is is quoted after Israel's sin with the golden calf. After, God has been just giving the law to Moses. And the first law, remember, is you shall have no other gods. They're down at the bottom of the mountain making themselves another god. Right? And while that's going on, God is giving the law. He sends Moses down to give the law to the people. They're worshiping this and calf idol engage in horrible immorality in front of this statue that they've made for themselves. And God's anger comes on those people for a moment, but then Moses goes back on the mountain to intercede for them, and this is what God says about himself. The Lord, the Lord, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and the rest of these verses, verses 9-14, to 14, serve to underline and explain what that means. It means, first of all, that God doesn't always rebuke us. And He doesn't always deal with us according to what we deserve. Our sins merit punishment. But you'll notice as you live your life, as soon as you sin, you don't get whacked immediately. Right? God doesn't deal with you according to what you deserve. God is abounding in mercy and grace. He is slow to anger. He is slow to punish us. It isn't because He doesn't see, but because He is merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love. Look at verse uh, verse 11 now. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love for those who fear Him. you know how high the heavens are above the earth? I had to look it up, okay? The earth's atmosphere technically ends, I found out, 60,000 miles above the surface of the earth. I don't know how many feet that is or how many inches. Uh, I, I only do history major math, Okay. And uh, so I don't know. You'll have to ask my daughter, Sarah. i work that out for you. But it's a ways, okay? Uh, you can't jump that high. How high are the heavens above the earth? Really, 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 really high. So great is His steadfast love toward us who love Him and fear Him, who follow Him, obey Him, um, so, how how great is this love? Bigger than you can reach. And not just a little bit bigger. A lot bigger. No bigger than that. No, still a lot, a lot bigger than what you're thinking. Much bigger. And in verse 12, I love it. As far as the east, so far does He r- remove our transgressions from us. How far is east from west? Are we talking absolute distances? I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't know how big the universe is, but the east end of the universe and the west end of the universe are really, really far apart. Okay? East from west, so far does He remove our sin from us. Our transgressions from us. So in other words, when you sin and you go before the Lord and you confess and he and he forgives you, is it removed? Yes. It is taken away from you and you bear it no more. It's not on you anymore. It's gone. Right? I had a spot taken off my back uh, earlier this year. They they cut a chunk out of me. Okay, it stitched me back up, and I'm like, "What did they do with it? I don't know. It's gone, right? And um, and they removed it. I don't know if it went as far as the east as from the west, but it it went somewhere, and is no longer attached to me, right? And I don't have to worry about that spot, that growth turning into something ugly, right? Now I just have a like an ugly scar, but uh, but I don't have that thing that might kill me anymore, right? And when God takes away our sin, it's the same deal. He takes it away from us, and He gets rid of it. Um, As a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion to those who fear Him. God has compassion on us like a father with His kids. So why does He give us compassion? Because we're His. Where's kids? Does a good dad love his kids? Yeah. Is he quick to forgive their mess-ups? Yeah. Uh, Does he remain their father no matter what? Yeah. Does his anger against them burn out quickly? Yeah. Does a good father refuse to count his kids' sins against them? Yeah. Now let me make the point. God is much more of a good father to his people, to us then the best of us human dads are to our kids. Amen? And because He is a good Father to His children, He also, verse 14, remembers that we are dust. In other words, He knows that what we are made of. Right? If you'll remember, it's not a a noble heritage. We're creatures made out of dirt. (laughs) Okay? And uh, He remembers where we came from. And because He remembers that, and He knows that we're not yet capable of being sinless, even as He is working in us and on us to make us like Him, He continues to forgive and love and show mercy and compassion and abounding steadfastness in all of these things because that is who He is. Who God is and what He is like towards not just me, but all of His children. And that gives us even more reasons to give Him praise. Amen? Now, two more things here as as the passage wraps up and as I wrap up. God is also better than humanity. Look at verses 15 to 19 tell you about this. This is a contrast between who God is with everyone else in all of the human race. A human being is like grass. Our days do not last. We flourish, we look good for a while, but like the lilies and the daylilies and the, the coneflowers and daisies and mandevillas at my house, the flowers quickly fade, right? And when winter comes, what happens? <coughs> They're gone. You can't even tell where they were. <laughs> okay? Like the 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 you know the leaves and everything just go brown and then they go flat and then they just are gone. Where were they? I don't know. I think there were cone flowers in that flower bed. i will probably see them next spring, right? They're gone. Their glory is gone just does not last, right? And the, the Bible says here, human, human beings are just like that. The best of us, our glory passes quickly. But God and His love are nothing like that. It is from everlasting to everlasting. From eternity past to eternity future... His love even extends beyond us to our grandchildren. Look at verse 18. All that is necessary to be a recipient of God's love is to enter into covenant relationship with Him by faith as a result of which you then do His commandments and keep His covenant. Right? But by faith you enter into relationship, you enter into the covenant, and then you keep it. You follow His word to you, right? And then you receive all of these benefits, right? Why do you get forgiven of your sin? Because you belong to God. How did you get to belong to God? I put my trust in Jesus. And then by my act of faith in Jesus, God said, mine, and claimed me, and I I became a recipient of His steadfast love and mercy for eternity. How about that? This is a trade that you should definitely make if you have not done so. Between your old and busted life and this. Because it doesn't get any better than this. Being loved kind of a way. And unlike our glory which passes as quickly as the blooms on a flower in the summer, God's glory and His throne endures everywhere and for all time. He is far superior... To all humanity, in His eternal glory, in His rule, and in His goodness. So again, here David in this section of the of the psalm is inviting us to join him in praising God for how good God really is. And then, the last three verses, these are great. He wants all creation to praise God. So he's like, you know what, I've run out of human beings to call to worship God. So let's just go ahead and get the angels involved. And in fact, let's go ahead and go beyond that and say everything else in creation, anything else I forgot, let's get that to praise God too. So verses 20 and 21, you as angels, you mighty ones, who do His word, obeying His hosts. Uh, Again, that's kind of a churchy word for armies. Okay? All of the angelic armies, praise God. uh, Bless his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, right? Uh, All the people, all the uh, angels in heaven are there to do the will of God. And David calls on all of them. How many are there? Not sure. Okay, the Bible says myriads of myriads, okay? Uh, Or 10,000 times 10,000. Again, I only do history major math. That's too many zeros for me. Right, but a lot, and David says, "All of y'all, join in worship." And I love how this this concludes. If you um, if you're a poet or a songwriter or whatever, uh, this this last line is called inclusio, okay, and it circles back to the first line at the beginning. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's like, hey, by the way, you, David, don't forget, while you're inviting everybody else to worship, don't you forget to worship too. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. So, uh, let me just encourage you with all this, okay? To bless the Lord with His people, I can assure you the angels are already worshiping. And that all creation I already proclaims God's glory. And so the encouragement is to you as an individual and to you and I as God's people to do what David invites us to do, to bless the Lord with all of our soul and to praise His holy name and to not forget all of His benefits and all the good He has done for us and to us and who He is to us. You know, I am still amazed when I, you know. If I were God, I would not have picked me to be part of His kingdom. I wouldn't have picked most of you either. Okay, I'm I, I'm just I'm not that good. Okay, but God looked at you and He said, "You know, I need you in my family, and I will do whatever is necessary." including the death of my son, to get you in it. Why did He do that? Because He's good. And He loves you. So don't forget. Amen? Forget not all His benefits. Praise the Lord. So let's pray, and then let's praise. God, our Heavenly Father, again we thank You that you are so good to us, that you do love us with such an everlasting, unbelievable, steadfast love, Father, we can't, um, we can't even fathom your grace and mercy to us as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is your love for us, Father, we we can't we can't reach that high. We don't even know where that is. We know that you love us supremely, far better, far deeper, far wilder than anything we imagine. And we praise you for that, Father. We pray you would accept uh, as an offering from our hands and from our lips and hearts uh, our praises this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.